Happy National Snack Food Month, everyone. This is Betsy, and here are the sweet and salty offerings you can listen to in the Popping Collars feed in February 2022. Are you a new Coke person or a Coke classic? How about original West Side Story or Steven Spielberg version? That's our topic this month on Popping Collars as we discuss our favorite reboots and remakes. On the canon, a brand new group of panelists twist themselves into pretzels, drafting the essential movies of Jodie Foster. Greg and I are going nuts trying to figure out how in the world the Academy nominated Disney's Beauty and the Beast for Best Picture. Why? Why? Will our first animated movie on Going on 30 be our last? Finally, Dan Jocelyn Simitowski brings some peanuts and Cracker Jacks to the Sacred Six as he and Greg try to figure out what in the world Hank Aaron's record-breaking 715th home run has to do with the Sacrament of Communion. Thanks for listening to the podcast that melts in your ears, not in your hands, and keep those collars popped. to the sacred six sometimes an item in pop culture is just too big for one podcast episode that's where this show steps in i'm your host greg knight with me is my special guest dan joslin simitowski thanks for coming back dan happy to be here it's always a good day to talk about baseball that's right pitchers and catchers report is maybe like the best four words in the english language and in boston there's something called truck day which is about a week before when the equipment truck at fenway park rolls out and down to florida nice nice the beauty of living down here is that i can confirm that the teams are actually here i see them every february it's great this month we're chatting about the sacrament of communion by going in the way back machine to april 8th 1974 when hank aaron hits his 715th career home run to pass babe Ruth's records before we get started dan are you a records guy? Do you care about sacred numbers like 715, 56, 400, stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're a baseball guy or gal or person, um, yeah, then there, it, it's a counting sport. Like from the first pitch, everyone's counting something. Yeah, I, I find that the numbers have more weight. Well, they had more weight when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, as I get older, I tend to hold the, these things a little looser, I think, as far as their hallowedness, I guess, or however it is that I think of them in my mind. Uh, so how did we get to this point of Hammer and Hank Aaron chasing uh, Babe Ruth's record? Do you have any memories as a kid from? So the record was broken when I was eight months old. Oh, OK, <laughs> so never mind. <laughs> well, um you know, he moves the Brewers, goes back to Milwaukee to the right. Brewers at the very end of his career. And um, I was of the age when Happy Days was a big show to watch. You kid, the Fonz and Richie Cunningham. And I distinctly remember, I was probably watching a rerun, an episode where Hank Aaron made an appearance uh, to do an ad for uh, Richie Cunningham's dad's hardware store. And oh, no kidding. Remember Richie Cunningham, a.k.a. Ron Howard? Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> saying, uh, hey, hit home run tonight. And Hank Aaron says, I always do. So, you know, Hank Aaron's record was just part of a given, right? It's yeah. Untouchable and unapproachable until it no longer was. You know, the thing that always stands out to me is the date. It's the April 8th date. I don't know. There's just something about uh, home run records that feel like late season chases. And that's probably because we've been colored in recent years by things like the Maguire Sosa chase, the Bonds chase, the single season record chases. And so to think of like a career home run record coming, you know, in the first, well, I guess the second series of the season Right. It's just wild to think about, you know, the just the the amount of pressure that must have been on Hank Aaron during the offseason when you're two home runs away from a record. And, it's and kind of the, incredible. Max, he probably was pressing a lot at the end of the previous season to break it on like the last day of the season. To mm-hmm. the Ted Williams-esque finale where, you know, Williams ends with the, the last above 400 average on the last day of the season, right? That kind of drama that's inherent in baseball Uh, to set a record on the in early april in baseball is just very anticlimactic in some ways one ball and no strikes aaron waiting the outfield deep and straight away fastball is a high drive in the deep left center field buckner goes back to the fence it is gone in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron. What do you What do you feel when you see the record-breaking home run from Hank here? You know, I, I imagine kind of the, the burden <laughs> off of him, right? Like it's over, it's done. I guess I've read enough of hearing about his own reaction that those fans who ran out onto the field and how afraid he was for his own physical yeah. safety. So this combination of relief and probably a little bit of anxiety right. also willing to you know celebrate with his teammates. It seems, I mean, to me, it seems like a very bittersweet moment. It's a weird moment. For one thing, it's it's the second pitch of the at-bat. So it comes really quickly, I think. It's almost like McGuire's record-breaking home run, which was like a line drive over the left-field fence, and you barely had time to acknowledge that it even happened. Um, And then I think you're right. It's it's filled with all these little moments that create tension and then relief and then tension and then relief. And uh, it's just such a mixed bag. Those guys were 17, by the way. And it goes, it it just goes to show that like people in the seventies looked older for whatever reason, the kids that ran out on the field, I would never have pegged them as 17 year olds. When you're wearing those wide collar shirts and you got (laughs) big hair and sideburns, you can. It's the sideburns. The sideburns always age you, I think. Yeah, well, it seemed like a very 70s moment, you know, kind of like, you know, the just the, just a whole lot of social conventions go out the window. Uh, right. 
That's right. He runs those bases, though. My goodness. Like, yeah. in the modern game, it would have taken him much longer to get around. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. That's old school baseball right there, right? <laughs> no boating. Just do your business. Put your head down. Uh, and, and that was Hank Aaron's uh, work ethic, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Say Hammer and Hank, and it also puts me in, in mind of the, uh, you know, the, the, the John Henry song with John Henry's hammer, right? That yeah. same sort of kind of sense of workmanlike plowing ahead. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. I think it was Hank Aaron that I was, I was reading an article about how he was almost a, a giant at one point. Right. So you would have had Willie Mays and Hank Aaron in the same lineup. I could only imagine. It, it would have been ridiculous. We're talking 715. We're talking Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's record, which is kind of a loaded thing. Mm-hmm. To think about historically, especially uh, after our conversation last month about Jackie Robinson. What, what in the world does this have to do with communion? I guess it comes at how we understand what the sacrament of communion is. Right. right. Well, I mean, I was thinking about this way of this ethos, uh, certainly in the Protestant tradition, that all are welcome at the table. Yeah. All are invited to the Lord's table. But there's such tension in that in Christianity of, well, do you have to be baptized first to be at the table? Mm-hmm. Are we all really welcome at the table? What if the table's built in a way that not everyone can physically get there? Right. And that really gets me to thinking about the policing of the table, the guard rails we put up on the table. And that seems to be so much about Hank Aaron's story here. All the, the hate mail he got about breaking a white man's record. Mm-hmm. record that was sanct- sacrosanct how welcome was hank Aaron gonna be uh, so it's kind of a sad sad side of the sacrament well way. no i i i agree with you there's two things that makes me think of one is that i didn't grow up in episcopalian i grew up in like a non-denominational church in the south so you know that's always code for like baptists just think of like southern baptists like that's what every church in north carolina was when i was a kid regardless of denomination right um and so if you were sort of called to the front of the church like that wasn't a communion for us that was like an altar call that was like going up to have someone pray over your soul so that you could be saved which was always like a source of tension for me anyway. Like it always felt like a shameful thing. It always felt like um, really scary proposition. And I still have like every time I take communion in the Episcopal church and like I stand in my pew, like with the intention of going to the sanctuary, I always kind of have like that drop in the stomach kind of moment of, Oh my God, this is just like that other thing that I hated, you know? <laughs> and, and it's when we were talking about tension and release, like that's very much what it is. It's this kind of tension point, but also a release point. Like once I'm there at the rail with others and stuff. So that's one thing, but Oh my gosh. Like when you started talking about guardrails, wow. How frequently do we treat these numbers and moments in baseball I mean, it's almost as if they become their own item of worship, right? So it's like Babe Ruth 714 takes on so much power for people. It's the way that these numbers get treated and the way that these moments and figures can get treated as barriers to new people 
who would dare try to approach them. And on the flip side, even though there's all this debate about can he get there? Can he break the record? Does he deserve to break the record? Uh, are we going to guard this thing? Once he breaks through, that's to say, once he goes to the altar, <laughs> you know, right. he is integrated in. He, he yeah. is brought into that narrative. And so there is a way in which communion does its work, right? Mm-hmm. The Hank Aaron narrative gets elevated alongside the Babe Ruth narrative, except for some perhaps diehard New York centric purists. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, and we can look to the celebration of Hank Aaron that happened at, what was it? Game three of the 2021 world series where Hank Aaron had just died this January, 2021. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this whole celebration of Hank Aaron's legacy where his son throws out the first pitch and mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Right. So there is a power of the sacrament of communion to reorder things, which perhaps is why people get so anxious about who's going to the table. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, it is the Lord's table. Jesus gets to decide who's in and who's out. Right. It's amazing to me how um, how all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, something that would have challenged a generation of people now becomes a source of celebration for maybe those same people, you know, like, um, yeah. depending on whatever their life experience was coming out that, of that moment. And the fact that it happened in Atlanta, right? Yeah. My understanding is, is that, Part of the Braves coming to Atlanta, it forced school integration there as well. Like Major League Baseball said, we're not going to put a team here in Atlanta unless you all in the mid-60s really get your act together about school integration, right? Mm-hmm. And the new Atlanta, the new South, the fact that Atlanta has become a place for a thriving Black community, those are all really significant things. Yeah, And the Hank Aaron story is part of that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah to recognize as well no i agree i think that um i think that the the opportunity to share experiences with each other breaks down those barriers that we were talking about before and at our hope like that's what communion does it's it's binding us throughout time and space um and the more we do it the more we're reminded of that connection rather than division absolutely really quickly just coming out of this moment what's the what's the future from Hank Aaron's 715. We've been dancing around this, but I think we can't talk about 715 without talking about Barry Bonds. Yeah. In a steroid era mm-hmm. that will be coming, you know, two decades down the road. And really the question of what happens when something that is sacrosanct becomes tarnished in the eyes of many. Yeah. Does that home record mean the same thing anymore? Right. And it makes me wonder too, is it the is it the person? that tarnishes the number or is it the substances that tarnish the person that tarnishes the number? You know, it's just so layered. And oh my gosh, when we talk about guardians, you know, and you start talking about baseball writers who take it upon themselves to keep people like Barry Bonds out of the hall of fame, Roger Clemens out of the hall of fame. I find it hard to write the story of baseball without the name Barry Bonds in the books, you know, and, um, and I, I think that, I think that we need to kind of uh, reprioritize the way that we think about the sins of these folks um, when it comes to the history of the game. Yeah. Whether without steroids, Barry Bonds would have been a Hall of Famer. 
He yeah. had all numbers before he started juicing. Yeah. I'd also just point out that Major League Baseball allowed Barry Bonds to happen. Right, because they needed people to watch their their products. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So the baseball writers should have it more in for Bud Selig, I think, or just as much in for Bud Selig as for Barry Bonds, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, McGuire, Sosa, and Bond saved the game of baseball coming out of 1994. But that is a conversation for another time, probably next time. So we'll save it for that. That is it. We've got a couple of runs under our belts here. Uh, Next up, we'll be talking about confirmation through the lens of Joe Carter's World Series winning home run for the Blue Jays. Dan, are you ready to take a trip up to Toronto? I sure am waiting for some uh, Molson Golson to consume. Canadians. Uh, We'll see you there next time.